right, I have Tom Salta here with me, composer, producer, all-around nice guy, um, and uh, super excited to speak with you again because we met briefly uh, a few years ago. Oh, it must have been like probably five years ago at PAX East on the in the middle of like the expo floor, which is crazy. But um, Tom, thank you so much for spending some time with me today to share your wisdom with uh, up-and-coming composers in the game industry. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Dan. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, and we're both in the middle of a a fantastic winter storm. So, for you folks yeah. sitting out there at LA, we uh, we secretly loathe you. Yes. Um, yes. Just a you little thin-blooded creatures, you. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So so let's um let's dive in, Tom. You you've done a lot of stuff. I mean, you you have really dipped into into the different areas you could compose music for pretty hard in all of those those different areas. And yes. that's, you know, that's, I mean, obviously that's, that's amazing, but you had a kind of a hard pivot there into yeah. the gaming industry. Yes. Do you want to, and I know that licensing played a role in sort of how you took your foothold there. Do you want to briefly kind of just explain how you got that first break into the gaming Ooh. industry? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a long story, but to try to do it in an elevator ride, um, for the first 15 years of my career, I was producing records, making music, songwriting. Gotten, you know, I, I was going to be a, just a purely a record producer. That was my goal and everything. Um, and then 2001, the music industry changed. Internet came out, high-speed internet, Napster. Music started getting downloaded for free or sold for 99 cents. Everything, I saw the industry starting to tank and devalue itself, and I decided... I got to find something else. Uh, I got to find something else to jump into that I'm really passionate about. Uh, I had always been a gamer my whole life. And in 2001, the light bulb went off. I was playing one of my favorite games at the time, Halo. And um, I'm like, this is, this is it. This is it. This is the future. This is where I need to be. It combines the two things I love. Um, so I went full force into figuring out how to get into a different completely different side of the industry uh and uh long story short after some trial and error uh i realized that my best foot forward would be to maximize my strengths which was producing records um so i decided to become a new recording artist called atlas plug and the point of that endeavor was to create an entire solo album of music that would be perfectly suited for licensing in film, TVs, and games. Um, it was a crazy plan, but uh, I had no other options. And uh, so I did it. And before I finished the album, I uh, had signed with a publisher and Microsoft approached them and wanted to license four tracks in this game called Rally Sport Challenge 2. And um, soon after that, games like Crackdown came on and Project Gotham, and then I started getting original scoring uh, chances and gigs, which was the whole point, uh, Need yeah. for Speed Underground, and started pitching on things like um, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter and Red Steel, and, you know, so, and then, you know, another 15 year years later, the rest is history, but that's kind of how I transitioned. Awesome. Now, this is something that actually comes up a lot. You 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 went with a moniker. Um, it says it was um Atlas plug. Atlas right? plug. Cause, yes. Because of the and I think I remember say, you hearing hearing in another interview that you did the uh, 
first of all because it sounds cool and second of all because it rhymes with the or it, uh, sw- uh the atlas shrugged novel it, okay that, it yeah that. that's two reasons yeah but there's um, another one what's the other one well, Salta backwards is Atlas. Oh my goodness! I, I did know that. I one. forgot. Oh. Yes. All Ooh, right, I'm just yeah, gonna push the go. stop button and go home. That's now. okay. <laughs> you, you learn something new every day. That's right. I learned something new. And then plug uh, and unplugged are opposite. So unplugged is acoustic. Plugged is electronic. So Atlas, Salta, plug, electronic. So you, you yeah, in, you know, whatever. So you put in a lot of thought on that. I, you know, it was one of those things. It just seemed to yeah. come together. Now let me ask you this: How important? do you think the moniker was to the licensing that original licensing being a success because i have a lot of people um in the vgma community asking whether they should use their real name or using a moniker that they've made up and my my position has always been that it's it, i feel like it's it could be a double-edged sword of yeah. if you're not using your real name yes it is then you're you know you're kind of not building a brand around yourself that's versus, right you know. that's right so what are, what are your thoughts on that how how important do you think that was for that initial endeavor? I'd say I would recommend sticking with one name. I wouldn't recommend doing what I did. What I did was a calculated, calculated risk because I knew that people get put in, they get stereotyped, they get, they get typecast, they get put into boxes. And I knew full well that the music I would be doing on that album would be uh, only a very small percentage of what I really aspired to be doing as a composer. So against the, the, the judgment of my agent uh, at the time, I decided, no, I'm going to create two names and it's going to be twice as hard and it's going to be very difficult to promote and, and work your way up as an artist with, you know, under two different names. I mean, Junkie XL was Junkie XL, right? Yeah. Um, most artists do that. BT was BT, you know? Um, so yeah so the the idea was i want i knew that when i was doing scoring it wouldn't be anything or very much like atlas plug and and it took longer it was a harder road but eventually it, it panned out and today to this day a lot of people still don't know i'm atlas plug which sometimes is good but a lot of times it's it's bad but I just don't want to get typecast. That's, I have a big hang up about that. And if you listen to most of my scores as Tom Salta, it sounds nothing like Atlas Plug. And, and I, knew, I knew people would typecast me. In fact, they did right away. I got so much good advice, which I, I, I never suggest that anyone listens to. Uh, oh yeah, um, you, know, you should stick to electronic music and, and and then when I established myself doing a lot of just proper scoring, uh, then I got advice like, yeah, you should just stick to the orchestral stuff and not do electronic. I'm like, really? Hmm. I guess you don't know hmm. the backstory, do you? So, yeah. you know, I don't really want to get in, into that kind of typecast situation. I'd rather be the, you know, the secret identity person. But I don't advise that. It's a harder road. And it, it, but in my case, it, I felt it was better. For me that's great now i think that i think that that makes a lot of sense that that would be a lot harder um but also you know with the you had you know an entire career behind you that you needed to kind of make sure you weren't getting stuck in that box so that, it, I yeah i mean it gives me a chance to have two different lives that are they're disconnected you know i i wouldn't be surprised if the if the dudes from daft punk have a whole nother thing that you don't know what they do you know what i mean yeah. but daft punk is a daft punk so 
I just knew that I wanted Atlas Plug to be in a box and just work with that. Got and it. it still comes up today. I mean, I did, you know, with Killer Instinct and Cell Dweller, uh, you know, I decided I'll put on my Atlas Plug mask, you know, uh, because that was the style of music. And I didn't want it to confuse all my other clients about, wait a second, we just hired him for, you know, this fantasy game. And like, yeah. So, anyway. oh, so you still you still feel the need to keep those. I still do from a client. Still, okay, I, that's interesting. Again, I don't know. It's just my thing. I don't know. <laughs> hey, that make, you know that makes sense, especially if you've got like if for yourself mentally. Yeah. That, that's kind of a different box that you go into in that space to create that kind of music. I guess I can kind of see that, but um, no, that's that's very interesting. Uh, and you've, I mean, your your work is pretty versatile. Yeah. Um. And I was listening to some of it this morning, just just to kind of remind myself of all the different, all the different things you've done. Um, and <laughs> what I really like now, now I there's there's melodic music, and then there's ambient music, and then there's like this middle ground where mm. <laughs> there are melodic elements, but yeah. it's not like hit you over the head, look at me, look at me, look at me melody. Yeah. And I feel like you do a really good job of that middle area of not making it boring, but not making it too. Um, not making it too distracting either of like really focusing on the like the environmental yeah. component of it and, and sort of setting the stage. Yeah. How do you kind of like decide where that line is of either going too melodic or too ambient and sort of finding that sweet spot in the middle? Mm. I think a lot of it has to do with the context of it. And um, when I make those decisions, it's usually made based on where it is going to be in the game, how long you're going to hear it. Uh, and oftentimes what the, you know, what the audio director is looking for. Um, melody is really important, but it cannot, it could be your enemy at times and it could be very distracting if it keeps, uh, if it calls attention to itself. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, I often like to strike that balance between that melodic element and just the atmosphere and uh, oftentimes what I think is really nice and fun, and this is why I like score a lot, is that you can kind of hint at it um, without giving it all up. And so I, I enjoy doing that, too. I like reverse. I like doing things in reverse. I like knowing where we're going to go at the, by the end, the climax, where the, the, the pinnacle, where that theme is completely unveiled. And then uh, sometimes just teasing it, teasing elements of it uh, along the way. and, and it, it it gives it, I think, more, you know, uh, dimension and and um, uh, more cohesiveness, um, and it's just fun to do, you know. Did you now when you say like teasing it and and sort of like the reveal of the, the main theme? Yeah. Are you talking about within the context of a track? Or are you talking about within the context of the the entire score? Oh, in the context of uh, the entire score. So, for example, if there's that big main theme or you know, melody or character melody or enemy or the theme of the game, whatever it is, uh, oftentimes, depending on the context, it's really nice to just maybe just do a few notes of it or maybe do it halftime or very much in the background or, you know, just just tease it a little bit, just imply it where people might not even consciously realize it until they went back again and, and like, oh, wow, I hear what they did there, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I remember the first game I noticed that happening on was was the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. Ah, yeah. And and they, you know, they the the themes that just kind of like 
weave in and out of all the tracks, like the main the main overworld theme that sure. no matter what key you're in, it kind of weaved in and out, and it did create that like cohesiveness. Um, it's important, but yeah, yeah it's, it's it's it really it really in, you know. Then when you sit down and listen to the album back then, it was like a CD that was imported. Yeah, but when you listen to the album, you have that cohesiveness without all the other elements of the game, which is I think also really. Um, that's right cool. absolutely i had never even i had never even thought of that as a you know as a young lad back then uh, right that no. that you could like sneak in things from other tracks and sure. that's that's us i think that's really awesome also, i also feel like it kind of takes the heat off a little bit because you don't have to like keep coming up with like you don't have to completely stack every track with all 100 percent new 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 you can that's right weave things in from other places and then and that you know not not to say that it's like filler but it it gives extra depth oh, without of having to dig deeper into well, the that, well. That's what the best, I think, the best film scores do. Um, you, you hear that all the time with some of the top composers in history. They, they'll, they'll do that. Every character has its theme, and, and then you start to roll those themes around. And I, yeah, I realize, you know, it, it, it's not even filler. It just, it adds, it, it ties everything together. I mean, watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's just, that's yeah. it's what it does. By the time they establish everything, and it's beautiful. It, it, it tells the story without even knowing what's happening. You just, you listen to the story. You can tell sometimes when characters are interacting. And, and, and so I learned that just by listening to scores when I was a little kid. You know, you can hear the theme coming. You can hear the hero when he shows up. You can, you can, oh, the villain, oh, you know, everybody, my goodness, from Howard Shore to Goldsmith to, to Williams to you name it, the guys who really, uh, or girls that play around with themes, um, that I love when they just tease it and when they, they use it in different creative ways. And when you have good themes, when you have that good set of notes, it works. And that's why I put so much emphasis and importance on establishing a theme if there is going to be a theme, some games they don't want them, but believe it or not. But uh, but I want that recognizable five notes or whatever it is, so that you can use it and and you can do all kinds of things with it. I've I've done all kinds of crazy things with themes. I even put themes backwards and upside down uh, when it became to like uh, I remember in Prince of Persia, I, I did this with because there was a plot point which you don't know until the end. So it was like I I secretly the 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 princess and the evil witch were the same person, but you don't know that. So what I did is I took uh, her theme and I reversed it. Awesome. And, you know, unless people are playing it backwards, they're not realizing, wait, that's the same theme. But it is. It, it's the same theme. It was the same person just twisted around. So the music represented that. So th those awesome. are the kind of little things that I do to entertain myself. <laughs> no, I think that's, you know, it's, you know? they're good tricks. I mean, those are literally, if you look at a classical composition, which actually they're, most of them are, garbage but if you look at like a classical composition text that is right. like one of the one of the like six main devices they tell you to do to play around and develop with with a theme or a melody right. and actually i i just saw this past year and it went like viral like you know in terms of like how viral a game audio thing is it went viral within that sphere a video that the the main theme of like zelda's lullaby they, if it it was flipped for a really exciting track in a current Zelda game, and I remember thinking, like, no, that's not. It's really not. I literally got the sheet music and wrote it out backwards because I just couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. But it it really it transformed it into something new and so amazing, which is which is just really for me was like a really epiphany that like that's a that's a tool that I don't consider yeah. often enough.
Right, right. Really cool. Um, so where we we kind of um, you mentioned earlier that you that Halo for you is a big game. Yeah. Um, personally playing, and obviously you've you've worked on you know, several Halo games. Um, at this point, which is awesome that you kind of had that full circle. Yeah. Happen. Um, but even earlier than that, what is like what do you, what are like the first games that you remember thinking like wow like this you know like the music's really cool was it Halo that you st- first started really tuning into the music or were there like like even earlier games oh that yeah there were earlier really games had- for sure um, uh, Prince of Persia I loved uh, the Sands of Time really loved that it, it really sh- it was a f- unique hybrid of cool modern new contemporary old it was like really I loved I loved uh, um, what Stuart did on that. Um, Rainbow Six, Bill Brown. I mean, he was really one of the first people to uh, catch my ear when it came to to, to scores. And uh, so listening to his work in Rainbow Six and, and things like that, really great, very, very inspiring. Um, uh, I remember uh, really loving the music in, in, uh, in some of the old 90s uh, point-and-click adventures like Myst and uh, Riven. Yeah. Awesome. And Riven. And what's interesting about Riven, a little trivia, is that Marty O'Donnell did the all the sound on Riven, actually, coincidentally. Cool. So it just turned out that he did Halo and Riven, two of my favorite sounding games. Um, so yeah, that's when I really started paying attention. Um it, you know, let let me let me step back. I loved the music in you know Ocarina of Time and in Super Mario sixty four. I mean that's some of the most memorable m- melodies in history when it comes to games. Um, they just didn't inspire me to say I wanted to do that. Like right. I don't. That's not the kind of stuff I would want to do. But oh my goodness, it, it it drew tears when you get to the end of Ocarina of Time and you listen to those melodies again as you're watching the ending credits and they're going through all the characters you met in your adventures. It was like a tearjerker. You know, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I started really noticing and enjoying music even when I was a little kid in the arcade. I'd come home from playing Marble Madness and figure it out on the piano. You know, Dig Dug. I, I mean, I, when I go into my friend's houses in high school, I'd be like, hey, play uh, Dig Dug, you know, play Donkey Kong, you know. So I always noticed the music. It just never occurred to me like, oh, yeah, I want to do that for a living someday. Yeah, for me, it was the I knew it was going to be a thing when. My my uh my parents had some poor guy, uh, I think his name was Mike. If I remember in third grade he would come into my house and give us piano lessons. Me and my two sisters, and uh, I remember he would come over and be like, "Did you do your homework?" And I said, "No, but." And then I'd turn the TV on, and the Super Nintendo would be like queued up to some level that I had like played through and stopped at. I was like, "But this level has really cool music. Can you teach me how to play this?" And he how was cool not is that? Super. Well, he he did it, but he was and that, that was like Mega Man X, Mega Man X three, like those kind of games. But uh-huh. he was super not thrilled about that at all. Like this guy was probably, you know, really frustrated with me, and it didn't yeah, last very like, long. Uh, but, yeah, uh, video game music. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was like, uh, okay, I guess we can do that. But so you're telling me you're not going to do your homework for this week? Is that what you're saying? I'll practice this video game song though. Wow. See but, uh, now, if you had yeah. me a p- piano teacher, it'd be a different story. Hey. I, okay. You know, and that, you know, I, I still need a piano teacher. So watch uh, what you say. <laughs> we'll work something. That, yeah, perfect, perfect, okay. awesome. Um, so uh, now that you've got, I mean, you, you you've got a lot of game credits in your name, name now, but um, networking. I wanted to ask you a little bit about networking because uh, very very charismatic guy. 
Um, and I, I feel like there are a lot of people who have a lot of anxiety about networking. Sure. Um, what to do, how to do it. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, in terms of being a never ending quest, yeah. that networking game. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you had any, any specific advice for people who are just starting out or for yes. people who maybe have a few credits and yeah. that ongoing, you're getting that like kind of ongoing habit of networking going sure. like any advice you have for absolutely for those sort of points let's change the word networking to re relationship building that's the first step and when Love you it. start seeing it like making friends and building relationships it sh it should change everything for you if you if you if you think about like networking and it's like i go to an event okay let's see step one what's the right thing to say uh oh i have to do this and you you can kind of see like the nervousness and the calculating and the in the young person's mind, it's like, oh, uh, okay, is it too soon to, uh, to give the mic business card? Or, you know, it becomes this like formulaic, awkward thing. It, like if you're going on a date, imagine a date like that, you know? No, it's not, yeah. it's, it's relationship building. It's like, hey, how are you? What are you into, you know? And, yeah. and, and not, not worrying about like, you know, checking off the boxes and like, oh, I have to, you know, achieve this goal by the time I come home. Otherwise the trip was a failure. Uh, it, it's uh, how many people did you meet? How many friends did you make? Uh, how many people will remember you? Um, and, and, you know, have you, did you plant the seed for new relationships? And it does take time. I mean, it, it you can't rush building a relationship. I mean, if you do, it comes across too aggressive, too desperate things like that. So I'd say, first of all, just think about it as making a relationship. That's first and foremost. And if you look at it like you're making friends who happen to work at companies, that's a better, better way. I think that takes the pressure off an awful lot. I think that's perfect advice. I, I, I was just rem remembering when I went to my first PAX and I started, this is when I first started the, the VGM Academy website. And I, and when I was meeting people, there was always, I always remember seeing the people who would even so nervous that they would get the business card out, like within the first few senses, they'd be like, Hey, I'm so-and-so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here, you know, like, it was like, yeah. they didn't know, like, you're, like that calculation of like, um, let me make sure I get that out of the way before I forget. Right. Um, and, uh, you're right. I think people need to relax. Right, yeah, need to chill out, need to relax. You're just meeting people, and, and, and sometimes it's not the first year, sometimes it's the second year or the second time. And, you know, it's those, it's those people that I've seen four or five times over the years. I'm like, hey, Pete, I remember you. And, and it's like the, the people that impress me the most are the ones that don't ask me for anything. It's the ones that either offer to do something or just, like, are cool people to be around. You know what I mean? Or that, funny. And, yeah. and that's really what it's about. It, and I understand that, like, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're worried and you're trying to um, establish and, 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 and have an objective. But it's, it's really not like that. It's not best to focus on things that way. You know, think about what I can do for you. What, what, what things can I do to help you out? And if you're interested, I'm happy to, you know, stay in touch and, and what have you. But don't come on too strong. Yeah, I love I love the I love the DMs and like the the things you get where people are like, "Hi, can you do this for me?" And it's like, "Hey, first of all, who are you?" <laughs> really? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but yeah, well, but I mean, but I mean, I think that's it comes from that nervous I don't know what to do place, not like the selfish place. It's the it's that like not 
not thinking about it like a human relationship. Like right. if, I, if you went into a party and you met someone and you're romantically interested, and when the second sentence out of your mouth is, well, you go on a date, that's like very low success rate. Yeah. Not that it's impossible, but it's a very low success rate versus if you have a great conversation, yeah. you're memorable, you know, right. you make them laugh, and then you ask. Get the other person talking. I mean, these, yes. these are, you know, these are time tested things you know go get how to win friends and influence people you know or books inspired by that i mean it's that's what it's about that's i love that you mentioned that book too that is an excellent read so i i completely recommend people to to pick up that book and i'll link it in the uh sure. the post when i, when yeah. I put this up. i spent that's like awesome. my early my early 20s just reading all that kind of stuff you know what what are the the, the successful people do you know how do you make friends how do you how do you you know, that, that kind of stuff. They, they don't teach that in school. <laughs> no, they don't. They just put you in the micro, like the micro environment. And then they, it, which, it, you know, it happens organically, but it removes the work. It, yeah. Because you're all thrust into interest groups and you're living together in, in yeah. you know, close quarters. So it removes all sure. the work. How about the real yeah. world? How does that work? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I uh. do recommend focus on a big part of my, my time was self, self-improvement. You know, is reading, listening to tapes, just, just, you know, picking up stuff and, and then just doing it, just getting out there and chilling out and relaxing and, and be confident and, and fun to be around, you know, just be yourself, you know, and not now everyone's the same way. You, that's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to be the Uber, you know, game show host personality to, to, to make it. There's plenty of reclusive uh, people, but they're just pleasant. They're just nice. They're, they're, you like to work with them and that, that's what you're sincere. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what it's about. Yeah, and in, in the gaming industry, you all have something in common, right? If you're, if you're there, yeah. if you've shown up, There's you plenty all to talk love about. games. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Right on, right on the wavelength. I love it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, now, do you find networking now for you, uh, because you mm. have a you know, very successful career, do you find that it's much different in terms of like what kind of, um, you know, what sort of, like, uh, time you're allotting to it yeah. or what sort of places you're going those sorts of things like has that changed a lot since that first fateful uh you know outing to uh to a game conference well uh, a part of it has changed and part of it hasn't changed the the part that hasn't changed is the fact that i still look forward to being around people and getting out there and getting facetime that hasn't changed that's the same what has changed is 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 my focus i'm more focused now usually on sharing and giving back and teaching and, and being now the, the elder in the room, God forbid. Um, whereas before I was like the person looking to, to learn or looking to, to uh, establish myself. Now I'm actually trying to help others do the same. So I think in that, that way, it, it's way different. You know, Usually if I'm in these conferences, a lot of people will know who I am, whereas when I was starting out, no one knew who I was no, or, or cared. Um, and you, you can succeed in both ways. It's just a question of what your focus is, you know, making new friends versus nurturing existing relationships. So that's really all it is. It's just all, all about relationships. That's awesome. Um, this is a, a two-parter, depending on the... the the first question here, but I'm curious, do you get a lot of people, um, do you listen to like a lot of like beginning composers? Do you listen to a lot of their material? Do you get a chance to hear a lot of demos of people who are just kind of starting out? Hmm. 
Um, I don't often. Uh, the the only times I actively hear up and comers is when they send me stuff or mm-hmm. whether I'm teaching. Let's say I'm giving a, a lecture or a, or a class or a workshop uh, and I request to hear uh, things or I see some, some you know, things that they were working on under my guidance, those kind of things. Um, but, uh, or, or, or if I ask for demos, let's say that I am looking to you know, work with some new blood uh, and I, or, or someone says, Hey, uh, you know, Tom, I'd love to, I'd love to help you out. I'd love to work with you if you wouldn't mind taking a listen to this one or two things. Um, so I, so I do have a chance to hear what other younger people, newcomers are doing, but not a lot. I don't spend a lot of my time doing that. Certainly. Well, let me ask you this because especially from that teaching angle, um, do you see any common like themes or like are there any specific pieces of feedback that you find yourself giving um, very often to, mm, yeah. to people who are at that sort of those first couple of years? Yeah. Because I'm curious about like those early mis- like those yeah. early like, you know, mixing mistakes, like that kind of stuff. Right. The mistakes that a lot of people might be making because right. maybe they're not getting a clear cut answer from a teacher. Yeah. I, I think, you know, thinking back to the to the kind of stuff that I hear, um, oftentimes it it is uh let's say someone will have some fantastic um melodic material uh but the production is really shoddy um and sometimes less often uh the production is very good uh but there's nothing really good to hold on to you know melodically thematically uh if seldom do i hear Newcomers, um, up and comers, get both. Get the yeah. stellar production and the thematic content together. It's interesting to hear that you he- you have a lot of people with the like the melodic material right um, without the production because right. I am um, I don't know if you uh, you ever heard of a, I. Through the website, do a a challenge every three months called the Twenty One Days of VGM Challenge, where people like it, the idea is just like write every day, just do it, put something down. Okay, maybe it sucks, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, and a lot of people go, re, you know, the the the, the contest, not the contest, but like the challenges, do like at least two to four bars, get an idea down. Yeah, and a lot of people will run with it, and they do like fully produced tracks or like you know pieces of tracks. But I find that I get the second a lot of the second group of people taking part of the challenge where they do a like really high production value right but that nothing to grasp onto yeah. it very rarely hear the other which so it's very interesting to hear that that you're hearing hearing both sides of it so that's really cool yeah i do um, hey, it's easy you know and and production today it, it it can be easy i mean you know how it is so many libraries today you can just like press a note it's like and it's like hey instant score and it sounds great um you know obviously that's not a good thing uh because uh, if you can do that, then your your contemporary can also do that. Uh, so it's and it's not going to sound unique, you know. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I've seen both. I've seen I've seen the melody strengths without the production skills, um, or just sometimes a lot of cheap sounds, you know. Mm-hmm. And I say I, I do encourage people. I say, look, I really like what you're doing here on paper, so to speak. Uh, 
And, you know, when it comes to sounds, you can purchase that. <laughs> you can make, you can buy good sounds, but you can't buy good melodies. I mean, I guess you Ooh. can, but they just won't be yours. But you know what I mean? So, um, so that's the thing. So there, 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 and there's always a way. I mean, you just got to keep doing it. It's like anything was, else. Let's put the time in, man. Thousands of hours. Ten, I, I'm a big believer in the 10,000-hour rule for sure. I think that was the quote of the day. You can buy the sounds, but you can't buy the melodies. <laughs> that, that, that you have no idea how, how happy that, because I'm a, I'm a melody snob. And right. anyone in my little community will know that, that that's the first, like, where's the melody? It's like the first piece of feedback I'll give people who, Great. you know, and, and, and uh, I, but you're right. Like the, the sounds you can always yeah. install later. That's right. Um, yeah, for sure. Now, this is actually a perfect segue to one of those, one of those weird questions I uh, gave, you a, uh -huh. gave you a warning about later. Weird question about earlier. Alert. Yes, weird question alert, or maybe a deep introspective question alert. I don't or know. Or both at the goes. same time. Could both. Deep weird. Simultaneously. Yeah. Yes. Deep okay. and weird. Let's do it. Bring it. <laughs> uh, so with that idea of, you know, the cheap sounds, you know, you can buy sounds later. If you had to start over today and all you had, you had no relationships that you currently built up. You had your knowledge, yeah. but nobody knows you. Yeah. Um, you have $500 and a, you know, a, a laptop. Yeah. What would you do with that $500? Like, how would you start over in those circumstances with very little, um, very little money to invest in those types of sounds? Um, but you have all the knowledge and skill that you do. Oh. Oh, okay. So this is really more of a technical question. Like, I lost everything and I don't have any software or any more. How would I? How would I get back up and running as fast as possible? Well, either you know, either that, or you know, some people said, you know, some in the past, some people have said like they've gone really like towards the gear uh, or the software, and some people go in another direction and they said use that five hundred dollars to you know buy a ticket to an event or you know something like that. Oh, so yeah. it really could go. You know, you're you're just starting at yeah. ground zero. You've got your knowledge. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't you use the no five hundred dollars to buy a ticket to an event. I would not. Um, uh, what I would do now, today versus back in the day, uh, is I would probably sign up for some of those subscription uh, sound subscription services that give you access to their entire libraries for whatever twenty bucks a month because that would stretch it out. You you could do a lot of work over a long period of time instead of dumping the $500 on one library or half of a library, you know, uh, or one synth and try to say, oh, here's my desert island thing. Um, so that might not be the answer you're looking for, but if I was on a budget and a cash flow is an issue, I would definitely do that. Now, I don't do that myself now because I already have over four terabytes of stuff. I have too much. I'm looking, I'm literally taking libraries off and trying to get rid of them because I can't, the clutter is, is not helpful to creativity, uh, having too many choices. But that's what I would do. If you had a little bit money, uh, yeah, it, do some of these subscriptions, look, look them up uh, that give you access to large libraries and, uh, and, and, and plugins. Uh, and then I would, I, I would spend a lot of time on YouTube learning. You know, and, I think that's a perfect answer. I mean, I think that is like, you're the first person to say that, but that uh, is probably one of the, most budget-friendly, smart uses of you know twenty bucks a month that yep. you can think of. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like you get you get the keys to a, a very large kingdom. That's for right. Very little money. And if by the time you spend two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, I mean, think about how long you've you've been. Think about the music you've been able to create. 
you know uh, it'll give you a yeah. lot of time yeah so years years yep well all right so here's here's weird question number two then oh hey here we go um, bring it <clears throat> you have it, imagine a world where in a world, <laughs> you have in a, in world. a world yes in a world with no music um no imagine <laughs> that uh you had two months to train an apprentice mm. and at the end of the two months uh they had to go off on their own and produce a, a video game uh score and they had to it had to be an award-winning video game score they had to win the contest and <laughs> oh, there's a million dollars on the line so you only have two months to teach them uh whatever you want to teach them and let's say you know maybe they've got you know they you know they know music they know they know they can play an instrument they you know they're not completely musically inept they they have experience working with a digital audio workstation but maybe composing is a newer thing to them what would you spend those two months really focusing on with them? Mm. Woo! That would be a very busy two months. Um, I would say that I would really teach that person the formula of priorities when it comes to creating a score. And, 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 I, and the, the creative process that I, I seem to go through. And I have given this lecture and talk, and, and I talk about this all the time, but I would, I would really show them the steps, like, you know, the first getting, getting ideas before you create, um, then focusing on just creating, creating, creating lots of lots of little ideas and ideas and not critiquing them, and, and then learning to just isolate the best ideas and then focus and find that, the, the key material, the key thematic material, and then and then learning the techniques on how to um, develop that and how to put that into, how to spread that out and, 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 and evolve it. And, um, and then I teach them, you know, as much as I can in, in, in two months versus 20 years about how to mix and how to produce and how to place things and how to use, how to do the most with the least. Um, you know, focusing on the master strokes versus like uh, all the complexities that we often get caught into when it comes to production. Um, so, you know, and listening, le learning to listen to the, the best scores and, and, figure, and, and learning why they are so good. And, and you know, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's a lot, but I mean, if I were to, you know, be teaching somebody, I would be, you know, as a mentor, I would be focusing on all those kind of things. And hopefully by the end of the two months, you know, they have, they'd learned a lifetime worth of, uh, of, uh, experience, you know? Yeah. I think those, those first two or three things would be life changing for a lot of people. Mm. I mean, just the getting the idea generation, you know, going and getting that, yeah. that working and then sort of that step-by-step -step process. That's the whole reason I created that 21 days of VGM thing yeah. was because that idea generation pro process was was something that people were struggling with a lot. But yeah, that's right. But a, then, a lot, know, lot of people those... just want to jump right in and, and make the, the, the theme, you know? Yes. And, and, and you know what? I mean, sometimes you, you don't really have a choice. I mean, I just kind of had to do that for a pitch, which I don't often do anymore. Um, but I realize it's, it's difficult every time, especially when you're starting from nothing. So if you, can, if you can gather ideas first, have a little fun in the sandbox, as I always like to say, that's great. Yeah, it's also probably way less pressure 
if you know that you can generate ideas, yeah. it doesn't put all that pressure on getting, you know, hitting the hitting that one golden idea, you know, when you've got the blank. That's right. In front that's of right. You. And that's up to the composer. No one's going to tell you that how to work. They just care what you create and produce and give them. But you, that's you have. We have to trick ourselves into into being creative and and to coming up with lots of good stuff. And those are those are techniques that I've just figured out over years and years, you know, and what works. Awesome. I think those are great answers. And I think that that um, will be really helpful to people, especially people who are just starting out. Great. Um, to kind of grapple with the anxieties of having very little resources, but also yeah. that whole spectrum of skills of where you're starting from with an idea to production and, and just sort of like really prioritizing, like you said, that, that formula, that flow yeah. of start to finish work. Great. Um, so I want to be respectful of your time here, Tom. Sure. And thank you so much for spending time with us today. But before I, I wrap, I'd love to hear, what are you working on right now that you're really excited about or that you'd like to share? Oh, wow. Well, this is a video game themed channel. Um, and I can never talk in the future sense about uh, video game music, unfortunately, because, you know, yeah. of all the NDAs, I can talk about everything else. Um, I mean, I am working, I'm, I'm, I'm starting two new big games right now, which are, which are both very exciting and different, which I love, I love. Um, but I can't really say more than that in terms of the game stuff. Um, I will say that I'm, I'm doing a lot in the spirit of connecting with people and giving back. Um, I am, I, I have a Twitch channel. I'm opening a Patreon channel. Um, so those things have been good. I have, uh, I also have for fun, a podcast that I do with my brother-in-law about growing up in the eighties, which is hilarious. Uh, I'm a big video game enthusiast as well. I collect real arcade machines and I have a big machine that has over 80,000 games in it. And, uh, I'm actually doing a Twitch channel with that too, of me just playing and talking about these games from back in the day. Um, it's called Arcade Classics. Um, I'm also executive producing a new television show awesome. called Dance It Out. And I've created a lot of the music for the show, the theme of the show. And uh, it's all about, it ties into my record production stuff as well. And so there are some video game tieovers in there, but it's gonna be on TV in February on Lifetime. It's called Dance It Out. Um, it's lots of things going on. Awesome. There's a lot of stuff going on. So, yeah, that's a, that's exciting. Congratulations on that. That's really cool. That's like a cool, not a direction I hear people going in very often, like going no. the TV route. That's awesome. I know, I know. I just I never seem to uh, be able to to take the the uh, the the normal mainstream path. There's always this interesting, you know, crisscrossing of of directions, and it it does keep it very interesting. I have to say and fun that's awesome well i will look up those things and i'll make sure to link all of them so that people can get their tom salta uh you know get their their fix because oh yeah a lot of ways sounds, too much that's <laughs> too dang, many ways you know you know I, it's it's interesting i think that the um people used to tell me when i was younger that being a jack of all trades means that you're a master of none, none but i really yeah. don't think that i really don't think that that is accurate. I think that having like multiple complementary passions is a real strength today, especially in this like online world. So it's really awesome to see a really good example of someone who's yeah. stepping into all like different directions. Not that they're right. all super strange and, and right. disconnected from each other, but um, re you're really like exploring all your interests. Which is yeah, awesome. and there and that 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 
credo, if it, it, you can call it that, is it, it's, it is true in some respects, but not all respects. You know, there are certain actors out there who transform themselves in a different person in every movie they do. You can't even tell who it is. And I always gravitate towards that approach. They're still acting, but they're, but they're, they're a completely different style. And there's some actors who every movie they're in, they're the same character, even though they're different. I don't want to yeah. name names because it sounds condescending, and it's not. It's not at all. But you know this character. You see this person in this movie. It doesn't matter if it's Star Wars or Western. It's the same guy. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I would say that about Will, you Will can't Smith. Even yeah. Them. You know, or or, or yeah. I would Sam, say that about Sam, Will Smith, Samuel Jackson. But it's like, you know, I mean, I love him. He's great. Yeah, he but, makes me happy. He's just an amazing actor. And but that, but it's different for everybody. There's there's some actors just thrive in different ways, and I think some musicians thrive in different ways the same way. I'm still making music, you know, and I'm still doing video yeah. games, but it's all different ways of approaching those things i'm hitting in them different levels and different places and dimensions and and uh you know so i think it's great i mean it just keeps life very interesting awesome well uh, thanks again tom for spending the time and answering some questions today and sharing your your expertise with folks i really appreciate it i know that people listening are going to really or watching are really gonna um feel a lot better about what what to do next, wherever they're at, because we've, yeah. we've covered a pretty good spectrum here today. So I really sure. appreciate you spending some time today. Great. Thank you All so right. much. I'm it was gonna... great to be here. Yeah, no, I, it's our, our pleasure, our honor, and I can't wait to, to speak to you again. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll have that chance sometime soon. I hope so. Looking forward to it.